Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGurra and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing why you two might intervene to stop me from drinking, but not intervene to stop me from rock climbing. So, Nick, um, let's go ahead and answer the question. Let's imagine I'm an enthusiastic rock climber who perhaps also likes to drink a bit too much. Uh, And one day you two take me aside and say, Fraser, you need to stop drinking. Uh, Is this a rational action on your part? That's what I want to ask. So the first thing I suppose we need to look at is what we mean by rational. And I think there's, there's probably two senses which we need to consider. The first one is the the kind of technical economic sense of, of what rationality is. And that's that's quite straightforward. Economic rationality is about taking actions that on average will maximize your utility, the objectives you're trying to achieve. What is it you're trying to achieve? Uh, and, uh, you know, are your actions doing the things that will produce the highest level of that thing that you're trying to achieve? So if you're a firm, you're trying to maximize profits, uh, the rational way to behave is to, to always take the action that will maximise your your expected profits. And the um, and if you're if you're interested in rock climbing, it probably makes sense to maximise the amount of rock climbing you do. Uh, likewise, if you're interested in drinking, you should probably uh, drink more. Uh, that's the that so in a, the purely economic sense Good so uh, of far. what rationality is is about taking actions that deliver the things that you want. Right. However, that that is slightly different to the sort of popular definition of rationality in which um, in which uh, we we tend to talk about things being rational if they're in some sense in your long term interests. Mm-hmm. So someone who drinks constantly to the extent that it sort of, you know, they they lose their home and their marriage and their job uh, w- would be said to be behaving irrationally. And, and we would want to stop that, right? I mean, generally, people think we want to stop that. But it is problematic to explain why that's different. Some, someone who is um, taking risks by drinking a lot may may just really like drinking. For, as far as they're concerned, that, that may be more important than all of those other things. Um, likewise, someone who um, does a lot of rock climbing um, and therefore risks their health in that in that way, for, for some reason, I don't think we do feel quite the same. And, I, and uh, it is quite difficult to explain what the difference is between those two from the economic theoretical sense this is just about doing things that you enjoy that are risky okay so even though it's difficult um let's talk about well let's try that i mean what is the difference then between rock climbing and drinking too much is that is that a fair question to ask because you've said it's it's you can't answer it. it's difficult but well let's try can so we i think there's difficulty in defining what the utility function is because if as nick says if you really like drinking then maybe um destroying your health and your personal life in through drinking is is a good is a good thing because mm-hmm. it gets you lots of fringe benefits which are much more difficult to quantify that aren't necessarily um the popular popular accepted um, modern western values of um uh, not being a hedonist maniac who's just destroying himself for fun but the so I think that's that's where the difficulty comes is well if you really do like drinking and drinking is kind of your thing, mm. um, then it doesn't really seem very much different to somebody who rock climbs and rock climbing and thrilling themselves and the adrenaline and all the physical activity is their thing. 
Um, it, it, and I think it, economists get often slated for trying to model people as as rational, uh, rational econs, the robot robotic like people who are trying to maximise very narrowly defined things like their lifespan and their health and their 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 income. But I think that's that's unfair to economists because economists are. Um, We'll say that it doesn't really matter what the um, utility function is, you just, as long as it's defined correctly. It's really the the, the nanny state who 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 has uh, tries to maximise things along very narrowly defined things. But there is a difference, which is drinking. Um, let's say even in moderation, is inherently um, detrimental to your health. Right? It part of it is it's it's not good for your health. Whereas something like rock climbing. Um, if you do it correctly, it's not a detriment to your, to your health. There's just a risk that it might be. Okay? Yeah, but, you, but you've already assumed there that one of the things we're wanting, wanting to maximise is health, whatever that is, right? However yeah. you define that. The assumption that one of the things we ought to be maximising is health has already imposed a some kind of objective set of values on behaviour. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, I, it, why? Why should we care about health more than we care about um, other kinds of uh, pleasurable outcomes. I mean, I, there's a very famous quote from David Hume uh, where he was seeking to, to sort of understand what the difference was between the beliefs we have and the desires we have. And he said, it's not contrary to reason to prefer the destruction of the whole world to the scratching of my finger, right? So what he's saying is it's not, there's nothing inherently better about health uh, or in his formulation, there's nothing inherently better about the scratching of your finger uh, compared to the destruction of the world. The, what, the only way you can say that one is better than the other, that the scratching of someone's finger is just objectively less bad than the destruction of the world, is if you assume a set of values about things. Now, now here, I, I think, and I think this is what, what this comes down to, is that we, we sort of basically think that health is... The, a right sort of thing. There's a, mm. a moral component that like you ought to uh, try and um, try and be healthy, but you ought not. It should be somehow bad. It's some, there's something cheating. It's cheating to take drugs like alcohol and enjoy yourself doing it that way. Somehow, I think people feel like it ought to be hard work to get to get the things that you want. Yeah. And rock climbing is a virtuous kind of activity, whereas uh, taking drugs isn't a virtuous kind of activity. Um, I mean, my, my question to, to someone who disagreed with that was, let's imagine a drug mm. with exactly the same outcomes as rock climbing. So no, there's a, very, you know, a small percentage chance of it severely injuring you. Sure. But other than that, you know, it, it had no detrimental effect on your health. Would, that, would, you, would, would you consider that to be as okay as rock climbing? And if not, why not? Okay. But, so I mean, if are, it could replicate are. it ex- exactly, then I would personally, I would say, yeah, there's no problem with yeah. the drug. Okay. But look, I want to come back to you on something because you said something which is a statement that only a philosopher could make, right? And I get fed up with hearing these things. I don't, actually, I don't mean fed up now. I mean, just generally, you know, especially going back to university. But, you know, the what was the statement by Hume? Uh, re- repeat yeah, that David statement. Yeah, David Hume, that idiot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not contrary to reason to prefer the destruction of the whole world to the scratching of my finger. Sure. Okay. So what that does to me, one, that, that tells me two things. One, that was definitely a philosopher who said that because that's the sort of rubbish that only they say, right? Um, and two... Um, well, actually, looking at it a bit more logically, then that sort of, for me, that, that brings into question the value of reason. OK, 
okay? Because it was, I think the premise were, there was according to reason or something like mm. that. So that just makes people think, well, clearly we need to be thinking about other things than reason. Because I put it to you two that I, I don't think either of you actually believes that statement would really take that to heart. Yeah, I mean, the point is, that's what Hume is saying, the limitations of reason, right? Okay. Pure reason. Yeah, he's making a statement about objectivity, saying that you can't, you know, if there's nothing, nothing objectively better or worse than anything else. Okay. The better or worse bit comes in when you're imposing your own values on things. Right. And uh, the the maximization of people's health and things, these are quite sort of high-minded, liberal-like attitudes, which are relatively new. Um, you know, public health is a new thing um, in, the, in, the, in human history. So it's, it's, it's the, and the, the, these are beliefs, the beliefs that these are important are imposed on the system by us. Okay. So I was getting upset and hot under, cover, hot under the collar for no reason. Um, I was actually in agreement with, Hume was in agreement with me. Is that, is that the case? Yeah, but, it, but it's still a really useful distinction to have to hand to say, look, there's, a, there's, there's the things that we believe about the world so, you know, let's assume that drinking is bad for your health. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, there's various reports that one glass of wine a day might not be. But let's just assume that drinking is a direct trade-off between something enjoyable, which is getting drunk, and something bad, which is which is damaging your health. Now, um, you know, the, the, if you ca- someone who cares a lot about their health, their rational behaviour would be to not drink very much. Someone who doesn't really care about their health, uh, their, their rational behaviour would be to drink lots. Now uh, the the question is: Is one set of those values more? Is one of those sets of values sort of in itself irrational? Are there such things as irrational values? And I think it's very very hard to support that idea that that there are sort of values that are just objectively better. That it's better to want to be healthy than it is to want to be drunk. Um, Why do you think that? Well, it's it's just very hard to make an argument. That says that that's objectively better for the reason that actually simply to say this set of values is better than another set of values requires another pre-existing set of values. And that's just another set of values. Uh, and I think, you know, where, I think where, you, where it can be justified, where mm. the, the, the anti-drinking campaigns and high levels of tax on, on alcohol and things can be justified is when you have a belief that there are parts of there are there are people who out there who who have access to alcohol, who can't necessarily weigh up the pros and cons for themselves. And they, they need state institutions and things to help them with that. And the, the most cost-effective way of doing that is to hike the tax up and make it less accessible uh, and to have a sort of a, 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 encourage a societal um, uh, attitude that, disapproves of drinking rather than to outwardly ban it so not to not to remove it completely but to sort of discourage it in order to help those people who who struggle with these these complex calculations for themselves yeah and i think here this is this is where this there's a there's a real puzzle a problem actually about sort of uh when when people's utility functions can change over time and reformed alcoholics are very, you know a very good example of this where you have they they know that when they're not drinking uh, they want to stay not drinking, right? Mm. But that is very possible for their for their utility function to change, and for you know for whatever reason, maybe they're a bit depressed or something. You know, reach for a first drink, and of course, you know that that saying, you know, one drink is too many, but two is not enough. Um, 
uh, they would rapidly they they recognise that they have the potential for their utility function to change into someone who all they want to do is drink at the expense of everything else. And they've got to make a judgment. They've got to decide which of those people they would rather be. And that's a really tricky thing to decide. And it's, you know, because uh, it does require taking a stance and saying, well, I've got two potential, you know, is it, I suppose, you know, is it, is it better to be an alcoholic who's drinking a lot or a reformed alcoholic who isn't drinking at all? And, you know, it's still ultimately making a value judgment. You have to, there's no, there's no objective right answer. Mm. But, but the, the, I suppose the sober person is tr- is trying to make sure that they stay in a with a sober person's utility function. Um, I mean, it's a bit like saying, you know, would would it if you let's say you like opera and you spend lots of money on the opera, hmm. would you rather uh, enjoy carrots just as much as you enjoy the opera? And and that you know that would be a much cheaper thing to indulge indulge yourself with. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look. Are we going down the path? Of, I mean, something I want to explore. Have we have we sort of talked here about cognitive biases at all? Have we sort of got onto that or not? Or okay, well, look, let's talk about that, and then um, there's something else I want to come on to. But um, yeah, where does cognitive bias fit into this, or even or even societal bias? Or so I suppose that that, that um, there you have certain biases which might uh, lead you to seek a quick fix. Um, and so you therefore think about the short term and that might bias you against long-term benefits like health. Um, and another reason why um, interventions are arguably a good idea. Um, is it, well, have I gone this, down, a, have I gone down the wrong avenue there? No, this is really, this is really key, right? Because it's, it's the question when someone does something that's, let's just say self-destructive. Okay. Smoking is a good example. Um, mm. Assuming that smoking is bad for you, uh, then uh, now when you when you're smoking, you want to keep smoking, right? Yeah. If while you're in the short term withdrawal, you you want to keep smoking. Um, but I, I think it's easier once you haven't smoked for a while. It's kind of easier to not to carry on not smoking. Now the mm. problem is like, is is that desire to keep smoking when you when you're currently in a state of active addiction? Is is that uh, is that the result of some sort of bias? Are you are you biased? Can we say that it, it, you know you're irrational? You have an irrational desire. Mm. Um, it is quite hard to support that view. It feels very intuitively compelling to say you know well, you're just being very short termist. I'm only thinking about tomorrow mm. or the next five minutes and my need to have some nicotine. Um, but if I could somehow force myself to think long term. Mm-hmm. Then, then I would realise I don't want to carry on smoking. Sure, right? I remember having that internal but, conversation myself. Go yeah, ahead, so, yeah. but but I mean, but who says you should think long term? That that's the issue. It's like, well, why should you think long term? Why is that better than thinking short term? Yeah, at the moment, you're a person who happens to like thinking about things in a very short term way. Um, so, at that moment, are you being irrational if you carry on smoking? This this question of whether or not, I mean, actually, another example might be something like anorexia, where you know is is someone who's anorexic have they got an irrational are they behaving irrationally are they behaving against what their interests actually are or do they just really really not want to eat um you, you know is it is it irrational behavior are they failing to maximize something or are they or are they uh, correctly uh, being rational in pursuit of a preference that we just think is probably a bad preference okay look, so to put this crassly i mean are we are we slagging off rationality? Is that what we're doing? Are we saying that you know 
because that's kind of what we said with Hume that and I think what you said he was saying is that reason has its limits okay so are we saying that you know just sometimes because this is what I'm tempted to do just go oh sod it just you know just forget all that just plow ahead and do what's fun kind of thing um, and let's not beat ourselves up about it or to put it another way I remember I know there's a famous sort of example you know saying well who who says that we live in a rational world we don't because if we lived in a rational world if you could plan it and execute it you know um one third or two thirds of the world would be taken up with soya fields or something like that you know so we could all feed ourselves um but that probably isn't desirable even if you could do it um so am I being simplistic is that what we're yeah I mean that's what I'm tempted to say just I think we're, we're not slagging off rationality per se we're what we're what we are disagreeing with is people doing things and imposing their own values on people in the name of rationality saying that that okay that they're imposing their, their own objective on somebody else and calling it more rational than something else okay uh than, 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 than the subject's uh, rationality um i think that's what we're, we're disagreeing with yeah i mean ra- no rationality if you want to get the things you want right and you do because they're the things you want right you should be rational in the pursuit of those things sure rationality is merely about doing the things that give you the things you want on average um so so yes i mean you obviously it's imp- it's really i mean you would be very hard to argue that someone ought to be irrational that someone ought not to try and do the things that uh, that they um that they you know which will give them the rewards that they're after of course they should that's you know if, if not then you're not acting in a way that is going to deliver the things you want um so so you know rationality but the but it's this is about where the limits are you know that rationality doesn't tell you what you ought to want that bit comes from somewhere else okay so look we need to wrap up but i don't know if that's a summary in itself but one thing i'd be interested in is at least one institutional um, example you have of this well I, I, to 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 to, re, re, to bring up a, a theme that I, I bring up quite a lot there's um the rationality problem is at the heart of a lot of the kind of um tension within modern business and in post-industrial world the the, the business who has employees wants the employees to do as much as possible yeah. for as little as possible yeah and the employees have more or less exactly the set the opposite yeah. aims they want to do as little as possible for as much as possible yeah um so the the employee is incentivized to maximize uh their their income while minimizing the mm-hmm. that they do um and that's that that's a totally rational thing so they both parties are acting completely rationally mm-hmm. um but uh they are they're at odds so good you know good management and leadership is about finding the right balance between the two so that the business and the, the individuals both profit um, from that relationship that makes sense I, so yeah Nick. no yeah i just i think i think you can look you can find examples of what you might call organizational irrationalities is organizations who fail to behave in ways that will op, that will maximize profit um i mean one one example might be uh kodak you know their, their failure to um move into digital photography mm. uh, when when it was it was obvious to people within the organization that that was the way that things were going, mm-hmm. but somehow the organisation simply failed to respond. Um, you know, so there is that the phenomenon of organisational irrationality, and, and again, this is about you know failing. It's not about getting your analysis wrong or anything. This is about knowing what the right thing is to do, but somehow not doing it. 
another example um, which I've seen cited is the First World War and yeah. the way that that unfolded, which um, which led predictably. I mean, people could tell that the things that they were doing, the different, the sort of ultimatums, uh, the uh, invoking various treaties, um, would lead to this war that, in mm. fact, nobody wanted. Yeah. Um, the the war just the first world war just sort of happened. Um, no, no individual who was making decisions wanted that to occur. So I think that's another another interesting example of you know arguably of, of organisational irrationality. So I mean, it sounds to me like one way to sum it up would be to say, look, being rational is not necessarily the end game. It's not necessarily the the point, and that rational uh, decisions can lead to. Uh, sub-optimal outcomes it sounds like to me no i'm wrong you're shaking your head well tell me why i'm wrong no because these aren't rational decisions that's the point a ra- if a ra- a okay ra- we think they're in, rational but in, they're not well no no i think what we're saying is this is a situation where there isn't well i think i think maybe maybe organize some some forms of organizational irrationality apparent irrationality come um, from for, uh, at a micro level those little individual decisions that people make that ag- in aggregate cause a war or cause a business not to take a uh, take a, on an opportunity they appeared rational at the, yeah. at the time at a very micro level um and there's no but there, there was there was no sort of unifying strategy that was rational that, that gave people a framework for making these these tiny decisions i mean i could sort of see where i, where I went wrong because actually it if it all depends on defining your outcomes right and defining your wants and so therefore if it's in line with that it can't be rational uh sorry it can't be irrational that's what i mean um got it okay i look forward to the test um so um right we'll wrap up there so thanks chaps um so thank you very much to nick here thank you very much to peter coghill um that's everything for the moment for from uh the cognitive engineering podcast thank you and until next time bye-bye mm-hmm.